0: Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambutasa Namota Saba Arahato Samma Sambutasa Namota Saba Gavato Arahato Samma sang namasami. Um, <clears throat> I think this morning I mentioned that uh, you know taking refuge in in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha is not an insurance policy against you know difficult life experiences and. Uh, you know, I wanted to speak a little bit more about that and wanted to speak about, you know, what, what uh, taking refuge in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha can uh, provide for us, what, what can it uh, do for us. And, uh, you know, in a big context, we could say, you know, it provides a, a clear direction in which to go in order to um, have a transformation process take take mm-hmm. place. And, you know, starting from where we are and then uh, using whatever is happening to us as, as a fuel for the practice. We don't need to look for any special anything because there's any moment something is happening in our life, any moment we have... A, An experience, and that very experience in the moment, that's what we're going to use in order to, quote-unquote, progress on the path. And the three refugees and the precepts are, you know, the guidelines which, um, you know, show us the way. And, you know, the essence of all of this is to, you know, realize within yourself uh, the very... uh, Buddha, the the capacity you know for awareness, and you know we use the example of the outer Buddha of of Siddhartha Gautama who has lived two thousand six hundred fifty years ago, and we use you know his example as an inspiration and his teaching we use as as, as instruction, and you know and all those who use the teachings the sangha we use as as spiritual friends, and then we have to do it ourselves. And through that process, you know, we become more and more aware that what we are looking for is actually already always here, but it's covered over, you know, by our karmic tendencies, by the habitual tendencies we have been cultivating, you know, over a very long time, over lifetimes. And they can be very convincing and they can be extremely um, difficult, you know, to disentangle. And and taking the refuge means, you know, making a clear statement to yourself and also to all those who witness that, you know, that you are deciding to walk away from all of this towards a freedom from all of this and, you know, to kind of clear away all of the overlay and to lay bare this pure awareness or this uh, you know capacity for enlightenment which is always already here and and it's actually you know that very capacity which is always already here which brought you here in the first place because there is this kind of intuitive knowing that suffering is not really a natural state but it's it's a deviation from a natural state and that we can come back to that but because of the confusion you know we need a uh, pretty clear instructions in order to walk, walk in the right direction because it's a uh, you know the path is pretty varied and sometimes it all looks kind of very easy and and everything is going well and then you know a few uh, weeks or a few days or a few minutes down the line it's all terrible again and you're completely confused and don't know what you're doing and you know, wondering if you're going in the right direction so we need, you know, we need some very clear guidelines so when we get in that very confused, fearful state you know, that we have something to fall back onto and the three refugees are that. Plus the precepts, they kind of, you know, also help to discern very clearly what's conducive for disentanglement and what is not. And, you know, this innate capacity which we have has brought you here and has brought me here as well, you know, on, on this path. Even, you know, when I was still extremely... Confused and you know not very good with the precepts and all of that, I still had a, a had the kind of this knowing you know that there's something uh, which I'm doing wrong here, and I knew that there were people who who you know could help me to find the way and and. And once I, you know, when when life became so difficult that I knew that it can't be, you know, that can't be um, a natural uh, occurrence. That I must uh, kind of have my own hand in making everything so complicated. Once I, I was. Uh, I knew that, you know, and once I felt I was really ready to listen to somebody else, you know, who was a, a little, at least a little bit ahead of me, you know, once I was ready for that, once I had enough suffering, you know, it didn't take that long until somebody crossed my path, you know, who I could listen to. And, uh, I was about, like, 30 years old then, and, uh... And you know and then once I started to open myself, it uh, and it was a, a great uh, recognition of, of of you know something I already intuited a long time ago, but I had been looking in the wrong direction. you know I had been looking uh, to find that uh, you know contentment and that that sense of of safety in areas, you know, which were unreliable, which weren't a real refuge, which could, you know, give temporarily uh, relief, you know, but it never really kind of sustained itself. And, you know, that was the time then when I started to turn here, instead of constantly looking for something better out there, for something more, you know, this or more that, or more sophisticated, or more simple, or more contemporary, or all of those different um, hopes and fears, you know, which I try to navigate. And you know, and turning towards uh, here is, is, you know, turning towards our own capacity for awareness, you know, of not being uh, dominated by our conditioning, but rather, you know, meeting experience and meeting the world in this way which is just open and not having any preconceived notions what it is what we are meeting and you know that's really also the essence of wisdom really to come from that place which is open and which doesn't project the past onto the present so you know what wisdom is in the buddha's um, teaching it's not a, a body of knowledge you can learn from books or, you know, by understanding a difficult text or anything like that, but it's more the capacity to stay open with your experience and to respond from that um, awareness. So it's, it's, a, it's a more an action. Wisdom is more an action like a, and a capacity like intelligence, for example, you know. You can't learn intelligence, you, you can train it. But, but it's not coming from books. It's it's a capacity to handle experience, really. That's what wisdom is all about. And the handling means, you know, that you are not protecting the past onto the present. And for that, we also need faith, you know, to, to really trust that requires enough faith, you know, so that we can uh, stay open and, and uh, Receive you know all of the feelings which are coming up and not shutting down prematurely because it feels kind of a bit stressful and uh, you know and the training which you know, the Buddha has left for us is all about that you know to train that capacity to to open up and and receive experience and allow the world to speak for itself rather than you speaking for the world and telling the world what it is. And that's, you know, it's kind of simple, but it's difficult to do because the power of the habitual patterns is so strong and it's so convincing. And that's why we have this whole uh, teaching, you know, to help us in different ways to to have uh, enough faith and... uh, you know, strength to to stay open and to go against the grain. You know, of habitual patterns, which always want to kind of uh, be done with it. You know, just kind of label it and then that's it, and move on to the next thing. But it doesn't work like that. You know, that that isn't allowing the world to speak for itself. That's kind of something else. You know, and only when we do that can we learn from our experience and. You know, and then increasingly, the, the this the, this whole tangle, you know, starts to kind of by itself. It starts to just kind of show itself to us, and it it kind of opens up and it falls apart. And here it is, you know. And there's different uh, dhamma doors or you know gateways into the this tangle, yeah. which the Buddha has been you know kind of finding. On his own and and has left for us you know that we can follow through those same gates you know into the tangle and then see from inside how it how it works and then once you see it you know you never believe in it in the same way like when you you know see a magician on the stage doing all kinds of amazing things you know it looks kind of very wonderful but then once you look behind the curtain and you see all of the props it's kind of it's still nice you know but it's not the same <laughs> and and that's you know what this teaching can help us to have that same um, um, you know, disenchantment as I said this morning and not it's not a bad thing to be disenchanted it's a good thing because it's like waking up from the spell you know like the um, the snow white, isn't that co- she called like that? Yeah, you know, who kind of is is um, enchanted in the castle and, and so on and so forth and asleep, you know. And then she needs to wake up and and we all need to wake up too. And, you know, the Buddha is, is, is an example of someone who has woken up to his own capacity to recognize, you know, the way things are and to allow the world to speak for itself and then you know, learn from that. And I just wanna, you know, mention one or two ways how the Buddha has has suggested, you know, that we can do that. And one way is like for example, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness. That's one way how we can kind of go inside the tangle and not get overwhelmed, because we just take those four foundations of mindfulness and investigate the tangle accordingly, so for example, you know our own uh, experience is, is is very complex, but if we start to investigate our own experience according to the four foundations of mindfulness, there is a way you know that we can um, approach it without getting getting overwhelmed. You know, we either look at the body, first foundation of mindfulness, in different ways. We can look at it in terms of, you know, the elements, as I was kind of giving a guided meditation yesterday, or we can look at it in terms of uh, body parts, or we can look at it in terms of mindfulness of breathing. There's many different ways how we can you know experience the body and get to know how the body operates we get to know you know the movement we get to know to feel it you know to, to um, rather not feeling is not the right word to um um You know, we, we um, become aware of the body through, through you know, pressure on the, on the cushion, for example, or through experiencing heat coming through the body, experiencing wetness, experiencing different uh, expressions, you know, how a body may, makes itself known. And then the next foundation is feeling, and we can, you know, experience neutral feeling, painful feeling, and pleasant feeling. That's another way, you know, how we can experience uh, ourselves, quote unquote. And then the next foundation of mindfulness is, is mindfulness of, of mind. Experiencing, you know, the mood of the mind. You know, is, there, is the mind angry? Is the mind contracted? Is the mind relaxed? Is the mind open? Different ways, you know, how we can identify the mood of the mind. And then the fourth foundation of mindfulness is just, you know, being aware of phenomena which arise and cease in the mind. So that's one way, you know, how we can approach our experience through a structure, and then through having that structure, you know, we don't get lost in the content of the experience, but we see more kind of the simplicity which in which everything kind of fits inside of that. And through, you know, looking at experience in this way, we start to kind of get a handle on it, because we can see, you know, all of those four foundations of mindfulness, they all have a beginning, a middle and, and an end. You know, Every feeling, every perception, every mood of the mind you know, has, begins and then it comes to a peak and then it goes down again and then it ends. You know, and through seeing that, we, we get a handle on experience because we don't have to sort it all out but we rather see that which is common to all of this. And this is, you know, what is liberating. And this is, you know, what the practice is all about. To see that which is common to all phenomena and then really kind of allow that to inform us by, you know, experiencing it in the meditation and integrating it into our being. And then, you know, if we really understand impermanence completely and utterly, this would be enlightenment. This is a one you know, gateway towards enlightenment. And that's, you know, how the journey started for the Buddha, when he, you know, for the first time, after living a very kind of, at least, you know, that's what the Suttas say, he lived a very privileged, protected life, (coughs) and didn't know much about old age, sickness and death. And once, you know, he saw that for the first time, once he really realized, you know, that he himself also you know, will get old, sick and die, he got got very much disenchanted, you know, with his life and he wanted to understand what is going on here. And that motivated him, you know, to leave behind his privileged situation and to go out and seek out teachers, you know, which could help him to kind of get a handle on this. And then he, you know, he started to practice and he didn't stop until he was fully enlightened and understood you know, that everything which, are, which is arising is ceasing. That was one of the you know, central insights. And then when he you know, later came out into the world again and started to teach, this is what he was teaching you know, about impermanence. And, you know, we can all understand that intellectually, you know, everything which is arising is ceasing. But just hearing it like that is, you know, I'm not enlightened myself, so I've heard it many times. So, you know, it's not enough to just hear it here with the mind. But we have to really kind of um, make it our own, you know, to really deeply, you know, kind of digest that and bring it from the mind, you know, down, 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 down into our being. And that's what the practice is all about, you know, to um, you know, to follow those instructions but then, you know, make them our own through through the practice to really fully integrate them. And then over time, you know, to allow these uh, instructions you know, to change us. And, uh, you know, and then through, through the practice, you know, we, bec- we become more and more aware that, you know, the Buddha, you know, which is in the beginning of the practice, is outside ourselves. You know, we realize more and more this is actually here. It's inside ourselves. It's uh, the, our capacity for, for awareness. And you know, it's not like an, an this Buddha, this capacity. You know, for for enlightenment, it's not like a, you know an object somewhere in our bodies, but it's it's a capacity that permeates you know our whole being, like a, you know, like for example, a mustard oil. You know, permeates a mustard seed. It's it's everywhere. And then through pressing, you know, and through refining, the the seed, you know, it the the oil, you know, comes out, and that's our life is like that. You know, we get pressed by all kinds of experiences, you know, especially difficult experiences, and then you know, if we use all of that for practice, then our this capacity for awareness becomes forward more and more, you know, and through purification, it it becomes more and more available, you know, and we become more and more confident in that. And then, you know, even we get pressed very hard sometimes by life. We we use that then as a as a signal, you know, for practice. And and uh, you know, so then even very difficult experiences can be used as a food, you know, for practice, a soil for wisdom. Or sometimes we can also say, you know, it's like the manure which we use to kind of fertilize the garden of uh, our mind, of our heart, rather. So nothing, you know, there's nothing whatsoever which can't be used, you know. The most, you know, the little experience like getting, you know, getting stung by a mosquito up to kind of, you know, having a, having an accident, for example, and being in hospital for a year. You know, all of those incidents can be used for practice. There's nothing, you know, which doesn't fit inside, for the, you know, inside of awareness. Because awareness is limitless, like the sky. And all of those experiences, they're like the clouds, you know, moving through. And some clouds, you know, they last a very long time. Like three months. Like I've been living in the sunset district and sometimes in the summer for three months we didn't see the sky. But you could believe maybe there is no sky, you know. Not sure, not sure. I haven't seen it for so long. But it always came back. And that's the same, you know, with any experience, even the biggest one, you know, at one point. You know, you can see the change again, you know. And, but sometimes it can take a very long time, so we need, we need some role models like the Buddha, you know, to keep us going, basically, to you know, give us inspiration that we can do this too, because we are human beings, just like he was, and uh, you know that's why we take refuge in the Buddha as this inspiration, as this e- example, or you know also in others who have followed in his footsteps, and not only you know in the Buddha's dispensation, but also in other you know systems of practice, they are wanting you know to follow the same. Um, they also want to be liberated, whatever, you know, teaching it is. And in our case, we we just teach the Buddha's teaching because that's what has worked for us. But it's it's not the only one. And... um What I wanted to say also is, you know, that how important it is, you know, to have this uh, motivation. You know, to whenever you know something is happening in our life, we, we tend to make like a big story out of everything. You know, to to just really kind of stop and go underneath the storyline, because that's where, where the transformation happens. You know, the storyline is uh, is more or less a distraction. And it's more or less you know kind of true, but in order you know for transformation to happen, we have to you know be willing to renounce the story and go to the experience itself you know in the body. This is the way how transformation works, and there's this kind of resistance in all of us you know to do that. I'm sure you you became aware you know over those two days, you know how much we are kind of used to thinking about things and how you know we need really special conditions like this retreat you know to to remember that we have to come into the body and we have to let go of the thinking mind in order to you know touch that um, deeper connection with life which we all have but we are very often not with it you know we are kind of somewhere else up in the mind thinking about hopes and fears and past and future and all of those things and then as soon as we remember it we, we just let it go for a moment and come back you know to to that which really connects us with life and and that's a kind of a Ooh, it's kind of mm, what is it, you know? It's a it's a vulnerable experience. It's a, it's something you know which is a constantly uh, alive and and which doesn't you know which we have to get used to to be with this. We are because we are so kind of. Uh, you know, dependent on constantly, you know, spinning stories to let that go and to be with that uh, vulnerability and with this tenderness, you know, of, of the energetic experience of being alive, that there is a kind of a resistance to be with that. And constantly, you know, there's this kind of, oops, go up again and then come down again. And this is a constant, like, up and down, up and down and you know it it needs a, a lot of mindfulness you know to to bring the awareness back, and you know that's what we kind of try to you know provide here for each other is to this container which is a you know, which is um, a support for us to, to come back to this uh, visceral experience of being alive, you know, in being part of a much bigger process than just this little ego, you know, which is kind of trying to secure itself with all kinds of stories. And... Uh, you know, and instead of getting lost in the stories, what what is the path is, you know, to just be with the experience in the present moment and allow that, you know, to show us the way back to, you know, our capacity for waking up. And, you know, it's, it's the reality of our own experience which brings us back to the truth and which, you know, Shows us the way to to that. You know what we are looking for: to a, a, a contentment and and a safety, a, a security, which can't be fa- found in external f- external phenomena or in stories. Mm-hmm. But it can only be found if we come back to what is true and what is and the reality of our lives. Is, is the path. And, you know, you can you can compare that with, with, for example, you know, if the truth is gold, then the reality of our life is the gold dust. And if we, you know, follow the gold dust, we're going to come back to the pure gold of the truth, you know, which is hidden in our life experiences. And if we don't turn towards those experiences, but constantly, you know, keep fa- seeking refuge in stories we're never gonna get there you know so we have to let go these false securities and turn towards the dust of our experience and that is gonna lead us back home so to say you know or you can also compare it with you know if if um, if there would be a, the, the spring of water and it, there's a vapor of water, that vapor is, is the reality of our experience. And if we follow that in the right way, it, it's going to bring us back to the source of that spring, of that water. So the, it's our life and all of those you know, big and small incidents the nice ones, and the beautiful ones, and the scary ones—all of those together—that's the path. And you know, for example, the four foundation of mindfulness there is, is a system, you know, or a structure which can help us to get a handle on those experiences and use them, you know, to take us back to the source. And, you know, what we need to do for that is, you know, to let go of the stories about what we are experiencing and and really be directly with what's happening here and now and open to it. And, you know, not open to it only when we feel like it because it's a non-threatening experience, but always doing that. That's, the, that's what's difficult. And this is why we need, you know, a, a refuge. And, ex- you know, like we need uh, symbols and we need rituals to help us, you know, to um, have the courage, to have the motivation to remember to do that. And you know, Carl Gustav Jung has a beautiful um, quote he, what he said about what symbols are. He said, uh, "The psychological mechanism for the transformation of energy is the symbol." You know, and so the refugees, you know, they are for us, you know, because we are fearful beings. you know we need that psychological support of of the symbol of the refugees, you know, to keep us on track. And they are available, you know, and why should we not use them if they are here? And, you know, many people have used them over the centuries and they are still functioning very well, you know, and they get even empowered through, you know, so many people using them over so many years, you know, and creating so many uh, pieces of art and different other, you know, skillful means to to bring that home, you know. There are so many different depictions of it. You, You can choose whatever works for you. And, you know, the different traditions have come up with different means to externalize those refuges. And... You know, in the beginning when Buddhism came to the West, people were thinking they just don't want to bother with all of that stuff, you know. And so it's all kind of, uh, you know, not necessary for the practice, but then after, you know, doing the practice for 20, 30, 40 years, it turned out that it's actually not that silly, you know, those refuges, the external manifestation. It is actually, it can be a powerful support at times, you know, when when the going gets tough. And then, you know, having a beautiful object to look at, you know, to remember that's all here, but to kind of see it externalized can be really helpful. And for example, in the monastery, we have a lot of this stuff around. And even we ourselves, you know, we look like that a little bit. Like, we wear the same outfits, you know, like the Buddha wore and the same hair cut <laughs> and you know and it helps us to kind of stay on track and you know you can choose, there's lots of this stuff around, you know you can order it online, you can uh, have it as a, uh, as, a, as a screen save on your computer there's so many ways how you can uh, take advantage of it, you know And I commend that you do that because it is really, uh, you know, it's just understanding how the human mind works, you know, and taking advantage of that because the practice is tough enough, you know. Why not have some uh, inspiration here and there? It can really help. It has helped me a lot, I must admit. Let's see if there's something else I want to say. No, I think that's it, what I wanted to say today. Thank you. <laughs> Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu and